Chapter 5 A Big Day Out Annie reluctantly sat at the padded chair by the dressing table in her room, while Mother brushed her hair. She was to look her best today, said Mother. Annie always dreaded hearing those words. Why do we have to go shopping? she asked, as if to post a final plea for Mother to leave her behind and let her go on a trip of the farm with the boys. She didn't like playing with dolls, let alone being someone else's. She much rather would have all her hair cut as short as possible to avoid embarrassing incidents such as this one. Boys have short hair, and nobody ever pushes them into a chair and manhandles them. Not that Robert would mind, she thought. His hair is always pristine. Oh, come on, said Mother. It will be fun. Besides, it will give us a chance to get to know Mrs. Darwell and Eleanor better. Mother was always happy to make new friends. She already had Mrs. Smith and Mrs. Johnson back home. Why did she need more friends? Annie was still contemplating the bother of having too many friends when Mother stuck a butterfly clip in her hair. She sighed, but seeing Mother smiling was enough to make her keep it in there. At least for now. By eight o'clock, breakfast was finished. Annie fell back in a chair and admired the empty plate in front of her. Between herself and Robert, they must have consumed nearly the entire pantry. Hearty appetites, laughed Mr. Darville, before taking the last sip of his black bitter coffee. You eat like Antonier, he added, and patted his son on the back. I don't know what's gotten into them, laughed Mother. It must have been the outing yesterday. They were all fast asleep by 8 o'clock last night. Normally Robert stays up till who knows how late reading his books. Robert was somewhat shocked to discover that Mother was aware of his late night study sessions. It was rather comforting, knowing that he needn't hide it any longer, but somehow it took the excitement out of it. If only she knew what he had discovered recently. All right then, said Mrs. Darville. She grabbed her handbag off the table by the front door and swung it around her shoulder. We should get going. It's a while's drive, and we want to be sure to catch the bakery before they run out of fresh pastries. She gave Annie a playful wink of the eye as she said the final part. The children shared a quick look and nodded to each other, as if to silently agree to the mission they were tasked with for the day. The men had already gone on their trip of the farm, and Annie was beginning to feel the pressure building around her. Shopping. Oh, how she loathed shopping. If they at least went shopping for something worthwhile, then she might have enjoyed it. But clothing and shoes and bags and so forth? She was not impressed. And to top it all off, she had to wear that stupid butterfly thing in her hair. She swore to herself that if anybody called her cute or adorable, she would bite them. There was the mention of pastries, however. The thought of deliciously baked goodies was all that was keeping her from insanity. Then there was the key business as well, which was all extremely exciting. Are you ready, Annie? asked Ellie, wearing a most beloved and very splendid floral dress and doting a similar butterfly in her hair. See, we match, she added, pointing to the plaster insects neatly stuck in her hair. The sight of this made Annie feel somewhat more at ease. At least she wouldn't be the only one looking silly. Yep. How far is it? she asked. Annie had already spent what felt like an eternity in the backseat of father's vehicle during the trip up to the farm and she was not looking forward to spending another second in any form of transport if it was not needed. Except for Anton's truck. At least that took them places that were more enjoyable, and the constant risk of the truck simply breaking down was also good motivation. Oh, it's not that far, Ellie replied. Probably an hour's drive at most. It's going to be a fun day out, don't you think? Annie didn't agree, but said nothing about it. She merely sighed her umpteenth sigh of the morning and placed her balled-up fists in her trouser pockets. Annie, don't do that, and stand up straight, ordered Mother, who was just coming down the stairs. 
Annie took to her mother's side of the family, the same curly blonde hair which mother wore straightened and piercing hazel eyes. Her personality was more that of her father, however, stubborn and single-minded. Annie removed her hands from the pockets and trudged towards the car door. Don't worry, we'll have a good time, said Ellie finally, and tasseled Annie's hair, being careful not to disturb the playful butterfly still clinging on for dear life. The little girl smiled and made her way towards the large, almost monstrous sports utility vehicle that Mrs. Darvel used to travel into town. The two dogs, Butter and Peanut, were sitting by the car. Their ears were drooped as they whined softly. They were to be left alone for the entire day, by the look of things, and this didn't sit too well with them. Don't worry, boys, said Ellie. We'll play with you when we get back. And who knows, we might even stop by the butchers. The dogs barked in unison, as if they understood what their mistress was telling them, and gave her a loving nudge. Annie dropped down onto her knees and embraced the dogs, who lovingly lapped at her face, their tails wagging ferociously. The town looked a lot better when he stayed off the main road, thought Annie, reminded of the pothole-stricken surface they had crossed only days before. There were small shops and antique stores everywhere, but the first stop they made was the bakery. Annie could hardly contain her excitement as they walked in. There were pastries and loaves of bread shaped like animals, but most of all, Annie was mesmerized by the cupcakes. The baker was a friend of Mrs. Darvel, and when she saw the party of four walking into the vast selection of baked goods, she came over and handed Annie a cupcake, the likes of which any master baker would be envious. It's almost as good as the ones you bake, Annie whispered to Ellie. It was better, but she was feeling generous, especially after the scene she had made when she had received it. Annie knew full well that she was being bribed with treats, but she didn't care. No day can be a waste when it starts with buttercream frosting. This was to be her bone from the butchers, she thought. Not a bad bone, to be honest. Listen, now that we're alone, began Ellie, making sure to note that the mothers were still inside the bakery, paying for the order to be picked up when they were done shopping. I think I saw the library key on my mother's keychain in her handbag, Ellie stated. Does she always keep room keys on a keychain? asked Annie. This was indeed peculiar behavior, she thought. At home, they just leave the room keys in the doors. If they were keys at all, save for the front door, of course. I'm not sure, replied Ellie. I don't think I've ever noticed it. It will definitely make sneaking the key much more difficult. Could you be sure that the key you saw was in fact the right one? whispered Annie. They would have to be extremely careful so as not to be caught out, should they attempt to remove the key from Mrs. Darvel's handbag. And it would be a disaster if they managed to sneak the wrong one. Oh, definitely. It's the largest key on the keychain, and it has a copper rose on the bow. A rose? asked Annie curiously. That's a rather strange design for a library key. It was the key to the house when Mother grew up, said Ellie. She was only a little girl when the house burned down, but she kept the keys to the house as a reminder of those days. She had the lock specifically made to fit the key when she and Daddy got married. The girls' chat was cut short by the bustling appearance of the mothers behind them. Mother and Mrs. Darvel were getting along swimmingly, and so was Annie and Ellie. It was indeed the most successful trip so far. Annie looked over towards Mother, who seemed most happy with the development. Are you girls having a good time? asked Mother excitedly. Mrs. Darvel followed right behind her and stopped to place the order slip in her handbag. Annie stood right next to her and peered into the bag. There it was, the large copper key with a rose handle. She was so near to it that her heart nearly skipped a beat. It was impossible, however, to get a hold of the key, as the keychain was quite large and would surely draw attention if she tried to sneak it out of Mrs. Darvel's bag. Now then, let's go clothes shopping, exclaimed Mrs. Darvel, 
snapping the bag closed in front of Annie's nose. The word shopping combined with clothes sent a chill running up Annie's spine. She looked around her to see if anybody had noticed her reaction, but was left to feel alone in the distaste when Ellie grabbed her by the hand and proceeded to guide her towards the high street, skipping excitedly, making Annie stumble after her. Whilst the girls were out shopping with their mothers, Robert and father were out with Anton and Mr. Darvel. The boys had no better luck than the girls in trying to sneak the library key from Mr. Darvel's keyring, which was always in the trouser pocket of the burly man whenever he got out of his bucky. Regardless of this fact, Robert was loving the experience of seeing wildlife he had only read about in books and seen on television. Father, on the other hand, was having a tough task of staying cool in the blistering sun. His shirt was soaked and a cap he had brought along as an afterthought did little to nothing in sparing his receding hairline from getting sunburnt. Anton and Mr. Darvel seemed to have no problem being out in the heat. Their forearms were already burned brown and not a single droplet of sweat was visible on their faces. The party had stopped for a short break, one which father used as an opportunity to quickly fan himself down with a few sheets of paper stapled together which he found in the cubbyhole of the bucky. Careful with that, remarked Mr. Darvel. Father stopped and looked down at the papers in his hand. It seemed like surveys of the farm, with several areas on the map signed with peculiar markings. Or at least, that's what it looked like to Robert, who was sneaking a peek. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, replied Father, before fixing the cap on his head into position. He awkwardly placed the papers back into the cubbyhole and took a few steps back. I see you're prospecting, he remarked. This comment caught Mr. Darvel somewhat off guard. Indeed we are. Do you know anything of this business? asked Mr. Darvel, his surprise now replaced by curiosity and a hint of scepticism. Not too much, replied Father, eagerly accepting an icy cold drink from Anton, who had retrieved the cooler box from beneath the back seat of the double cab. My law firm did the legal work for a diamond operation not too far from here a few years ago. Father took a big sip and sighed the relieved and revitalized sigh of a happy man before continuing. But I thought the diamonds were mostly mined out in this area. That's what everyone thought, replied Mr. Darvel. My father nearly ran this place into the ground searching for more, but look at this. He retrieved the collection of papers and showed father a series of photographs. Curiosity got the better of Robert, and he leaned in to hear more of what was being discussed. If there was anything he enjoyed more than the study of plants and animals, it was discovering what was buried beneath the earth's surface. Come, I want to show you something, said Anton to Robert, who wanted to listen to more of what Mr. Darvel was saying, but realized he was probably not supposed to be eavesdropping. Anton beckoned to Robert to follow him and led him towards a large pile of rocks and soil a short walk from the road. The boys climbed to the very top of the pile. Anton swiftly and securely, whilst Robert struggled somewhat but eventually made it to the top. Look over there, said Anton, smiling broadly. Where? asked Robert as he panted slightly and placed his hand on his brow, trying to shelter his eyes from the sun. Where am I supposed to be watching? You see that large tree over there on the horizon, said Anton pointing with his index finger at a distant, almost bluish silhouette, dancing like a mirage in the distance. The one with the very flat top? I think so, replied Robert, squinting his eyes in order to better focus on the far-off object. It's rather difficult to see with the sun shining in one's eyes. Wait, yes, I see it. The landscape was dry and arid and seemed almost like a desert. He had read that there was a drought in the area, but he had never expected it to be this bad. That is Drifter's Pond, where we were yesterday, said Anton. Kind of difficult to imagine that we went all that way, isn't it? Anton's eyes lit up as he spoke. He clearly loved the life on the farm, and it suited him. Robert tried for a moment to imagine Anton in a suburban setting, 
The thought of it made him chuckle to himself. Then he imagined himself on the farm, which made him feel quite unsettled. And do you see that house? Not too far to the right, Anton added. Robert nodded, seeing the roof of a large, modern-looking house not far from the pond. Next to the large house stood a smaller structure with smoke rising from seemingly all around it. What is that? asked Robert. He strained his eyes, trying to make out more of the small building, but the smoke was so dense that it completely encapsulated the structure. That's where Jonathan lives, replied Anton. Remember, it was his forefathers that showed Lord Darville where he could find the diamonds on the farm. He pointed with his finger in the direction of the large house. And what is that little structure behind the house? Robert asked. His gaze was fixed firmly on the small building. It seemed almost hypnotic, the way the smoke danced around the structure, as if it was being conducted by the wind, rather than simply being blown about. Anton's demeanor suddenly changed. Where he had been happily smiling, his eyes suddenly turned greyish, and his face seemed to turn a shade whiter. The boy seemed to turn away slightly from the sight of the building, towards a happier memory of the pond. That, began Anton. That is... It looked as if all the blood had drained from the boy's face, and a single droplet of sweat formed on his forehead. Anton, came Mr. Darvel's voice, breaking the tension. He and father were deep in conversation, before noticing that the boys had wandered off. We need to get going if we are to show our guests the follies. The follies? inquired Robert, as the boys came scrambling down the pile of rocks. It's where my grandfather tried to revive the farm's diamond mining operations. He nearly bankrupted the entire business in the process, said Anton, barely panting as he leapt from rock to rock. You should see it. They overturned almost the entire northern fields of the farm in search for diamonds, but never found any. Some say that he went mad and then he was cursed by the thing that drove Lord Darvel insane. Robert was barely to keep up with the athletic boy, jumping around in front of him, let alone talk. Anton looked almost like a mountain goat, jumping from rock to rock with absolute certainty of his next step, Robert thought. He, on the other hand, although fearing better than the climbing up, looked more like an elephant performing a ballet than anything resembling agility. The ride to the Follies was a rather bumpy one, and Father was quite happy when the bucky stopped in front of Jonathan's house on the way there. It was even more impressive up close than it was at a distance. It was the stark opposite of Darwell Manor, which was in its own right a magnificent building. But this house was entirely modern, with lots of glass and clean plasterwork. Something more suited to the suburbs than on the farm. It was almost comical to see such a building out there in the middle of such a dry landscape. Jonathan came to the front gate and was chatting away with Father and Mr. Darvel. Father seemed to get along well with his new friends, a sight that Mother would have been most pleased to witness. Anton had jumped from the rear of the bucky as soon as he saw the collection of dogs that had accumulated at the front gate and was wrestling about like he himself was one of them. Robert was fond of dogs, sure, but his allergy to dog hair was unfortunately limiting in his appreciation of the furry beasts. Standing upright on the back of the bucky, he took this time to gaze over the splendor of the landscape surrounding him. The sun was still quite high up in the sky, and he drew a deep breath of the fresh air surrounding him. This blissful moment, however, was suddenly disturbed when his eye caught movement coming from the small structure he had wondered about earlier. The smoke coming from the building was an almost purplish color and became more intense by the minute. Then the wind turned. It made the smoke rise from the building in a violent fashion, almost like a tornado forming from the bottom upwards. It was remarkable, the way the wind moved. Suddenly, a dark silhouette began to form within the smoke. The figure became more and more distinct until finally he saw the clear outlines of a man in a coat, facing his direction. Robert shook his head, for fear that he had imagined the being, 
but there it was, staring back at him. The small hairs at the back of his neck began to rise as he stared down the mysterious figure within the smoke, and then, as the wind began to blow with even more fervor, the figure began waving its arms around violently, like it was performing some sort of rhythmic incantation. Robert! came the clear voice of Anton. Robert turned his head for a mere second, and when he looked back towards the building, the figure was gone. The small structure was still there, the dense smoke now blown away. However, the figure was nowhere to be seen. Robert! came Anton's voice again, from right behind him. Everything all right? the boy asked, peering past his new friend with curious eyes. Oh, yes, I, I just, I, I saw, never mind. Robert shot a final glance in the direction of the inconspicuous building and turned away. He smiled awkwardly to himself and brushed off the strange sight to shadows and heat exhaustion. It was mid-afternoon when the men returned home. Mrs. Darvel's car was already in the stables and Rufus was purring away on top of the warm bonnet. A pigeon came strolling into the stable and flew right over his head. The cat merely raised his head, let out an enormous yawn and collapsed back into a deep slumber. Butcher and Peanut were as excited as ever when the men returned and kept jumping up and down until Anton told them to stop, which they immediately did and decided to go and bother Rufus instead, sneaking up on him from around the vehicle. Their attack had little effect, for as they jumped and barked at the old cat, he merely stared them down before giving each a swift jab on the nose to assert his dominance of the farmyard and continued his slumber. The dogs retreated to their beds, defeated, but happy to find a nice juicy bone waiting for each of them. When the men entered the house, Robert and Anton were laughing merrily about a rather aggressive rabbit they had seen at the Follies, and Father and Mr. Darvel were discussing the intricacies of the game of rugby. They had finally found common ground in the opinion that the current coach was doing a rather splendid job of restoring the team's legacy. In the sitting room, they were met with a fantastic spread of fresh bread, sliced cheeses and all variety of preserves. Are you boys ready for tea? asked Mrs. Darvel as she placed the tea tray down on the coffee table. She proceeded to open a large box of biscuits, which were to accompany the tea. Oh yes, exclaimed Robert and Anton in unison before heading straight for the box of assorted biscuits. Still chewing on a chocolate-covered shortcake and forgetting his manners, Robert asked where Annie was. There was a slight moment of silence as Mrs. Darvel smiled and turned her eyes towards the staircase. As if Robert's question was a summons, Annie appeared from upstairs. Oh wow, muttered Robert before bursting out laughing. There, right in front of him, stood little Annie, wearing a bright pink dress and a pink bow in her hair. Her eyes went dark, and if one were to look very carefully, one would have sworn that steam was rising from around her. What are you laughing at? shouted Annie, carefully making her way towards the coffee table. She should never have let him talk her into wearing this ridiculous dress. It was as if she was not in control of anything. Ellie had chosen a dress that she really liked, and Annie had to admit that it was a splendid dress. And then Mother suggested that Annie try on one or two herself. Just for fun, she said. And now look what happened. Don't be so cruel, Robert, laughed Ellie, who had also made her way down the stairs. I think she looks lovely. Annie couldn't help but blush a little with all the attention being on her. She still thought about biting someone, but thought it better to keep that as a last resort. Now, boys, take these plates to your fathers, said Mother, smiling broadly as she looked at her beautiful little girl. You know what, Annie, began Mother. Annie could sense that Mother was about to leverage this opportunity for one of his speeches about tomboys and society, and acted quickly. Mother, she said sternly, this dress is where it ends. And so it did.
She dished herself a handful of bread and cheese from the table, dropped a large dollop of jam onto the plate, and without another word, out the front door she went.